Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration and music with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and HMS Richards, the Voice of Prophecy speaker, a Seventh-day Adventist minister. Oh, there'll be joy when the work is done, joy when the reapers gather home, bringing the sheaves that set of sun to the new Jerusalem. Joy, 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 there'll be joy by and by, joy, 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 where joys never die, joy, joy, joy for the day. When the workers gather home Pure are the joys that await us there Many the golden mansions fair Jesus himself doth them prepare In the new Jerusalem Joy, 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 there'll be joy by and by never die. Joy, 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 for the day draweth nigh when the workers gather Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of broadcasting Thy gospel message. Bless, we pray, in the lands where this privilege does not come. In a special way, open, we pray, the doors of the gospel in many lands today. In Jesus' name. There is a place of quiet rest near to the sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who bow before Thee Near to the heart of God. Amen. 
We are very pleased to have with us today Your Story Hour group that is heard each week from coast to coast as well as overseas. Your Story Hour radio team features Uncle Dan and Aunt Sue as they present character-building stories for boys and girls. What is your story today? It's about a little girl who lived during the time Jesus was here on earth. We do not know the real name of this little girl, but we're going to call her Mary. We're going to call her Mary because Mary's a pretty name. And I'm sure Mary was a pretty girl. She was a good girl, obedient, kind, and always cheerful and smiling. Well, almost always. <laughs> Why, Mary dear, you're crying. Is something wrong? I don't feel very good. Where do you feel bad, dear? All over, Papa. Perhaps you'd better lie down and, and I'll call a doctor. All right, Papa. How is she, Doctor? Your daughter's a very sick little girl, Mr. Jairus. Can you do anything for her? I'm afraid not. You'll just have to wait and hope for the best. All right, Doctor. Just keep her quiet. Be sure she has complete rest and no disturbance. I'm sure she'll be better in several days. 
do you feel this morning, Mary dear? Not very good, Papa. Just lie quietly, dear. You're a very sick little girl. If Jesus were here, he could make me well. What makes you think he could? He's made lots and lots of sick people well, hasn't he, Papa? Hasn't he? He's not a doctor, my dear. He's just a preacher. How could he make you well? He's a son of God, Papa. <laughs> Someone's been telling my little girl things they shouldn't, and you've believed them. Jesus is the son of God, isn't he, Papa? Uh, would it make you happy if I were to ask Jesus to come here to see you? Oh, yes, Papa. It would. It would. And he will make me well. I know he will. I wouldn't depend on that, my dear. But to make you happy, I'll find Jesus and try to get him to come here to see you. Thank you, Papa. Mary's father found Jesus and his twelve disciples walking along a road, a huge crowd following. He tried to get close to Jesus, but Andrew, one of the twelve disciples, stopped him. Here, 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 sir. Where do you think you're going? I, I want to talk to Jesus. Uh, what about? Uh, I'd rather talk to him, if you don't mind. Well, I'm Andrew, one of his disciples. Uh, certainly you can tell me what you want. Uh, maybe I can help you. Uh, my little girl is sick, very sick. She thinks Jesus can make her well. Uh, do you think he can? Uh, my daughter does. She wants Jesus to come and see her. Well, I don't know if the master will go or not, but I'll ask him. Uh, the master will go with you, sir. Oh, Thank you, thank you, sir. Uh, lead the way. The master will follow. Rabbi, Rabbi. What are you doing here? You're supposed to be home looking after Mary. Oh, Rabbi, your daughter, she... She is dead, sir. She died soon after you left. My... Oh, my daughter. My daughter. <laughs> sir, tell Jesus that there's no need for him to go with me now. My daughter is dead. <laughs> Just then... Jesus placed his hands on the grieving father's shoulder and said, Weep not, for your daughter is not dead, she but sleepeth. Come, we will go to your home and see her. So, side by side, Jesus and Jairus started for Jairus' home. When they arrived at Jairus' home, Jesus took the weeping father and mother into the room where their beloved Mary lay, still and white in death. Jesus reached down and took the girl's cold hand in his and said, Little girl, I say unto you, arise. Mary started breathing. Her eyes flew open. She smiled brightly and then bounded out of bed. Oh, Jesus, I knew you could make me well. I knew you could. I love you, Jesus. I love you. And then Jesus said to the little girl, I love you too, Mary. I love all boys and girls. And I wish all boys and girls, adults too, everyone, loved me and believed in me like you do.
Thank you very much, Uncle Dan and Aunt Sue and the rest of the Story Hour group for bringing us today this wonderful story. If you enjoyed the story, won't you write us? And here now is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker, whose subject is a true story. This is a true story told by G.P. McCorkle, a neighbor of mine. It was also written up some years ago for the Signs of the Times, America's prophetic magazine. My friend McCorkle actually saw the things happen that are described in this story. Years ago in Texas, not far from the banks of the Llano River, an evangelist of the pioneer type set up his tent and with his wife and daughter proceeded to proclaim the gospel. It was in the little town of New Albany, which at that time was really on the frontier. Those were rough days. Horse stealing was a prosperous profession. Gambling was a regular pastime. Savage battles took place. Many a controversy was settled out of court at the point of a gun. McCorkle remembers those days vividly. He says that he once saw six fearless men engage in a gun battle at close range. Four were killed instantly. One died later. He saw rough men of this type ride their horses into saloons and, after drinking, shoot out the lights and riddle the costly mirrors with bullets. Desperados seemed to rule the whole area. The faithful minister, he worked hard day and night, visiting the homes of the people, helping to care for the sick, giving Bible studies. The tent was full every night as he preached the gospel. Most of the men in the audience carried six shooters and belts of ammunition. After a month of preaching toward the close of a sermon one night, the minister seemed discouraged. No one had responded to his messages. He turned to his wife and asked her and the choir to sing that never-to-be-forgotten song, Where Will You Spend Eternity? There were 50 members in that choir, and they sang with a will, and God blessed the singing. After the conclusion, there was a long silence, and a fine-looking man about 50 years of age stood up in the audience. Around his neck was a red bandana. He held a broad-brimmed Texas hat in his hand. He wore high leather boots, sharp steel spurs, two heavy six-shooters, and a bowie knife in its scabbard hung from his belt. He asked permission to speak. Don't be alarmed, friends, he said, but I have something to say. Many of you know me unfavorably. You've heard about Rube Burroughs and know that I'm a dangerous enemy and a loyal friend. You may have heard that there's a price on my head, and there is $20,000, dead or alive. I have a hundred men in this audience who would die before they would permit me to be harmed. If you doubt it, there sits the sheriff. He has a thousand men in this area that he could deputize, but they well know that three times their number could not take me. Then in a loud voice he ordered, Fall in, and a hundred strongly armed men rose in the audience and stood at attention. He addressed them in these words, You've been attending these meetings night after night. You've listened to this lady sing. She has taught our children and wives many beautiful lessons, how to sing, how to live, while we men have pursued our cattle-stealing, drinking, gambling, bank-robbing, and killing. At the same time, this sky pilot has been telling us about Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, that he's coming back to visit this old earth again. I've been trying to get the story straight. It didn't mean much to me. Until that good little wife of his set me thinking by singing that song, Where Will You Spend Eternity? It seems that it's brought me to my senses. I tell you, boys, I believe that Jesus is a real friend of ours. He's due at any time now, and I'm beginning to wonder where we will spend eternity. 
Many of you followed my leadership in robbing the bank in Denver of half a million dollars. You were with me when we held up the Missouri Pacific Railroad train and took a sack full of money. You followed my lead in the Kansas City affair to say nothing of stealing thousands of horses and running them into Mexico and branding with our own names acres of cattle. How many of you are willing to follow me now, this very night, into the jaws of death and release a comrade from jail? Instantly, a hundred left hands went up as the right hands stayed near their guns. As one man, they responded, I am, Captain. How many of you are willing to start out tonight on a perilous journey asking no questions? The voices rang out, I am, Captain. How many of you can pitch six bottles into the air and draw your gun and break them before they fall to the ground? Try us, was the response. Then, as Mr. McCorkle describes this wonderful scene, Rube Burroughs gave the command, face the preacher. He placed himself at the head of the column and gave another command, forward, march. Up the aisle went the most impressive procession that's probably ever taken place in an evangelistic meeting. Everybody was staggered. As the leader reached the pulpit, he drew his bowie knife and stuck it with terrible force into the stand in front of the astonished minister. He took off his two guns and ammunition belt and laid them around the knife and said, Preacher, we've come to surrender our arms and our lives to this Jesus you've been telling us about. We accept his promises. We like his way of doing business. We are glad to hear that he's coming back to this wicked old world again. We want to be ready to meet him. We are greatly moved by the choir's last song, Where Will You Spend Eternity? We wish to get right. Here's my fighting equipment. Take it. Sell it. Put the money in the offering box. These boys of mine have come to do the same thing. Isn't that right, boys? Again they chanted, Right, O Captain. Now take us down to the Lano River and baptize us. Put our names on the church book. Count us as members, and we will build a church here. We want you to stop traveling around the state and stay here and be our minister. Then turning his fine face toward the sheriff, he said, Sheriff, now we will take up arms for Jesus, for the law, and for you. We will take our orders from you to protect life and property and preserve order in the same field in which we have broken it. The sheriff came forward, extended his hand in fellowship. There was at that moment a wonderful demonstration of the power of the Lord Jesus in the state of Texas. McCorkle says that was over 50 years ago. But some of those men are living today, and I happen to be a friend of one of them. That revival set in motion by a single song sung by that meek little woman in her choir can happen again. All America and the world need such a revival. Let us pray God to set it in motion soon. And surely we do need a revival. We need it in our churches, our homes. Our, every state, every land needs it. It may not be so dramatic as this in old Texas days, but it must be real. We need to put our lives under new management. We read in Ephesians 4, 22, put off the old man, put on the new man. Every twice-born person has two natures, each of which seeks to dominate his life. The Bible calls these natures the old man and the new man. The one is born after the flesh, the other after the spirit. We need to have this new experience. The twice-born person possesses both old and new natures. But only one can rule at a time. Which rules in your heart? Which one in mine? Another sign, my friends, that a person is born again is that he obeys God's word. And a sign of unbelief is one who disobeys God's word. Unbelief means not believing, doubting the plain word of God. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin, Romans 14, 23. Doubt is anti-faith, unbelief. The third sign of the old man or the natural man is that he receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 2.14 Can't understand them. They're not acceptable to him. He won't receive them. 
He may delight in some ceremonial or legalistic things, trying to do things, but the things of the Spirit of God are foolishness, unacceptable to Him. Another sign of the old man is managing our lives in the absence of victory. If the old man is ruling us, we go on living in the old way, committing the old sins. What we need is to be under new management. Now here are signs that show a new management's in charge. First, faith. Every true believer should be a child of faith. The old man says seeing is believing. The new man says believing is the way to see. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Psalm 27, 13. Second, under the new management, the Holy Spirit dwells in the heart. The Holy Spirit leads us to, to Christ and to show Christ to man. Third, under the new management, prayer, which is a thing of the Spirit, becomes natural to the new man. He loves to pray. In every time of need, prayer comes naturally to his lips. A truly converted man will pray without ceasing. Fourth, friendship and fellowship are evident. Under the new management of the old man with his selfishness, friendship, all these things wither away. The longer we know such a person, the less we like him. The old man may be a good mixer, but he's not a true or a good friend. He was a mighty attraction. Jesus was when he was here. He drew men to him. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. John twelve thirty two. For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. Jesus said that in Mark 2.25. The old man shrivels up friendship and fellowship. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Psalm 133.1. And that's what we need in our hearts and our homes. Last of all, we mentioned that under the new management there will be more health and strength. The Holy Spirit actually brings joy and health to a person's life. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. 1 Peter 3.10 The medical doctors, psychologists, and psychiatrists are all telling us now that good health often depends upon our attitudes and our thoughts. That's the same as saying that this new man, this new management of the Spirit of God, this born-again experience will bring us better bodily health as well as mental health than the old man ever could give. Did not the apostle say that godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of a life that now is and of that which is to come? First Timothy 4, 8. Friend, aren't you tired of the old management? Wouldn't you like to come under the new management? Wouldn't you like to make just as clear a break with the past and with failure and with sin and with evil? as Rube Burroughs made in that little tent down the Lano River? Why not do it now, today? Why not turn your face toward God during this broadcast and say, Father, forgive my sins. Won't you say that? Accept me, Heavenly Father. Give me a new heart. Work the miracle in me. Regenerate me. Set my feet upon the rock. Put a new song in my heart, even praise unto God. And He will do it. If you will come to him in Christ's name, and come now. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though your 
sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Though your sins be as scarlet, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They shall be as white as snow. He'll forgive your transgressions and remember them no more. He'll forgive your transgressions and remember them no more. Look unto me, me, people, saith the Lord your God. He'll forgive your transgressions. He'll forgive your transgressions and remember them no more. And remember them. And now, friend, this is Orville Iverson of the Voice of Prophecy saying, until we meet again, let us keep looking up, going forward in faith. Have faith in God, for truth both new and old. Have faith in God, through sun or winter's cold. Have faith in God, till all the stories told. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We hope our program has served to give you spiritual blessing and strength today, and we invite you to join us again next week for another broadcast brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.